that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Wednesday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. As always, plenty to talk about today. Kentucky releases their 2015 schedule. The opponents shouldn't come as a big surprise for Kentucky fans, but some of the dates, the way the schedule is laid out, some changes in your typical UK games, that was news. I'll top right into that. So they released it yesterday on SEC Network. Did a ESP did a special schedule breaking for every fourteen SEC teams. They gave dates, opponents in conference, out of conference. The only thing left to be determined is the times, and we won't hear uh, the early times for those games until. The summer, and then obviously later in the year, they announce game times two weeks before the game. So we'll have to we'll have to see on game times. We do know that the uh, what the game time for the Auburn game is next year, and that's in large part because they're playing Auburn on a Thursday night. Uh, it'll be the first home Thursday night game in the history of UK football. Crazy to think about. SEC is traditionally on Saturdays, but with Thursday night games generally drawing pretty well, depending on the matchups and the opponents. Uh, they're going to slide Kentucky into that game and, and face likely what will be a ranked Auburn team, an Auburn team that will play Louisville earlier in 2015. Uh, so we could maybe have some comparisons by score and opponents uh, because both Kentucky and Louisville will play Auburn. So the Auburn game is going to be Auburn uh, October, excuse me, 15th again at Commonwealth. That's the highlight of the schedule in my opinion. And, Auburn's really good, and they're gonna and they're gonna have a chance to win the SEC West this year. If not win the SEC West, then still possibly make the college football playoffs. Went to the national title game last year, had a great chance of winning that game. They're going to be very good next year. What Malzahn's doing down there is is fantastic. That being said. This seems like a winnable game for Kentucky based on what Kentucky's going to have coming back, what Auburn will have coming back, how good Kentucky looks at this point of this season, and then the fact that it's going to be a Thursday night game. Uh, I think this is an ideal situation for Kentucky uh, to get this much attention and to have possibly this much hype surrounding that game. Uh, but let's let's break down the schedule. Let's go from the from the start to the finish. They're going to play Louisiana Lafayette to start the year. That's going to be in a brand new Commonwealth Stadium, the renovated Commonwealth Stadium. It's going to be a feel-good game. Fans are going to get a chance to check out what's different, what's new, and most likely Kentucky won't have any problems with the Raging Cajuns. Uh, start off the year 1-0. Now, this is new. Kentucky generally doesn't start SEC play this early, uh, but they're going to go to South Carolina, go to Columbia September 12th. That'll be South Carolina's home opener. I believe. I know they played North Carolina in the first week of the year, uh, but they're going to get Kentucky at home. It'll be both teams' SEC opener, obviously, and that will be a tough game for Kentucky. That's a tough game, regardless of the year. Uh, whenever it is, winning in South Carolina is not uh, something that a lot of teams generally do. Although Texas A&M and Missouri both did it this year, uh, but I think that's a positive for Kentucky teams. are going to still have a lot to figure out, both South Carolina and Kentucky, early in the year. Uh, 
So if you're going to have to play a tough road game like that, you might as well get it over with early in the year. Maybe hope that you still catch South Carolina trying to get adjusted. Uh, a tough game nonetheless. And then this is, and then you have Florida at home, uh, Kentucky's first SEC home opener in the new stadium. I expect that environment to be insane. Uh, good chance Kentucky wins that game, in my opinion. And then you have Missouri. Uh, same situation at Florida as, as Florida. Seems like a winnable game. Then you have Eastern Kentucky. So let's dissect this first part of the season. Uh, you have Eastern Kentucky before Auburn. Uh, no buys in between this. This is all week by week. No, uh, Nothing stretched out. Here's the thing that jumps out of me. Right out of the gate, you're going to have Lafayette, and you're going to win that game, and that's going to be your tune-up game. But then you have three back-to-back-to-back SEC games. South Carolina at South Carolina, Florida, Missouri. We're going to get a very, very good idea of where Kentucky stands, what their expectations should be, and how much they're going to compete in this conference. And we're going to get to know that very early on in the year. By the end of September, we'll know where Kentucky stands in the SEC. You go three and zero in those games, two and one. You're looking good. Uh, you're you're setting yourself up for an exciting back half of the year. If you were to go zero and three, or one and two, then that's a little bit tougher. And I'm just talking about these first three SEC games. They're obviously going to beat Louisiana Lafayette this season for Kentucky. And I like, and I've talked about this a lot on the Sports Talker over the past few months. Months the the season set up where Kentucky could build momentum and get fans excited. You were likely going to start the season two and zero, maybe drop to Florida, but then have Vandy. You win that, you're three and one with South Carolina. We always uh, from the get go, I said that could be a winnable game. You could be four and one. And I even predicted you could be 5-1 and one heading into the LSU game if you can get an upset against South Carolina, and that's the case right now. So the schedule this year, it certainly benefited Kentucky into getting fans on board and getting fans excited, and they've done just that. But now this back half of the season, Kentucky's in a good position now, but if things don't go their way... The, the back half of the season is going to be lost. We don't know exactly where Kentucky's going to stand in the SEC for another two or three weeks. Next year, we're going to know that by the end of September, like I said. And that's the thing that jumps out to me. And the other thing is, all three of these games are very winnable for Kentucky. Are they all losable? Sure. Absolutely. They haven't beaten Florida since I've been alive. Missouri has crushed them the two times they've played them. We don't know what's happened this year. And then out South Carolina is a place Kentucky hasn't won in a long time. So they could go 0-3, but we're going to have a much better idea, and I think that's exciting. And then they're going to have Eastern Kentucky after Missouri. That's going to give you a nice, a nice buffer game to kind of get over those, those three SEC games, maybe get a little healthy in that game. And then, the, and then you're going to have a bye on the 10th. No game that Saturday. That following Thursday is going to be the Auburn game. Talked about that. Uh, if Kentucky's 2-1 and one in the SEC going in that game, I think that's a really good opportunity to be 3-1 and one after that. Could, in a, in a really good situation, you could be 
five and one. So it sets up well. And that following Saturday, obviously, they'll be off. So they'll be off the 10th and the 17th. And then it's at Mississippi State. That'll be a tough game regardless. Tennessee at home on Halloween. That'll be a fun game. That's going to be a very winnable game. The thing that jumps out to me at that is Tennessee's usually towards the end of the year has always been towards the end of the year. Now they're starting to move that game up a little bit more. Uh, this has to be the earliest game Tennessee-UK game that I can remember, maybe in my lifetime. But let's be honest. It's Tennessee-Kentucky is a rivalry, and if you get outside of Louisville and you go to the eastern uh, part of the state and the southern part of the state, I've heard people down there say that they hate Tennessee more than any other college, hate Tennessee more than Louisville, hate Tennessee more than Duke or Florida, whoever it may be. So I know a lot of people do hate Tennessee, but it's starting to grow where it's not that big as a, a rivalry. And Tennessee winning as many games as they did certainly helped that. But it almost seems like the programs are fo more focused on beating other programs. Kentucky wants to beat Louisville. They want to they want to get past Vandy. Uh, they want to get on the same level as Mississippi State because those are the they play Mississippi State every year. They play Vandy every year. And yes, they do play Tennessee every year, but they've kind of set the bar with other programs where Tennessee's setting the bar with other programs as well, like Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, teams that have been able to beat them a lot lately. Tennessee's also rivals with Vandy. You just can't have as, that many rivalries in your conference. And Kentucky and Tennessee are going to be rivals. I'm not saying that they're not, but I think you're starting to separate that by moving this game earlier into the season. I think that helps Kentucky. I think the less pressure you put on that game, the less conversations, the less buildup, the better for UK. And, and that Halloween game could be a very winnable game for UK. And then the week after that, you're going to go to Georgia with your Kentucky. That's going to be a really tough game to win. At Athens. Okay. Uh, but that's okay. You can lose a couple games in the SEC and, and still have a pretty decent season. Then you're going to go at, and, and this this is the interesting part. You've got, after the Georgia game, you've got three very winnable games, or winnable games. You can end the season with three straight wins. Uh, that's a lot of momentum regardless of how the, the first nine games go. Uh, it, let's say they go terribly. Then if you are able to win your last three games, you're going to the offseason with momentum on the right foot, help recruiting go into national signing signing day or the 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 first nine games go well you go six and three if you can win your last three nine three games you're going nine and three unthinkable for uk so you've got at vanderbilt that should be a winnable game vanderbilt's program seems like it's sinking you have charlotte at home that's a win and then you have rival louisville the last game of the season at kentucky it seems like that's going to be the sticking point for the rivalry the last game of the year. I'm okay with it. I'm on board with it. Uh, that will be a great senior day atmosphere for Kentucky uh, and a very winnable game. No doubt about that. Louisville should be fine next year. No, no, uh, I think they're going to be good. Uh, but it's going to be a lot like this year's game where you, you might feel a little bit more confident about the, the home team.
So as you have it, there's the schedule. Uh, I think it's a great buildup for Kentucky. I think it's a, a great chance for them to really lock into the SEC to become a, I think this is their chance next year to get out of the basement to show the rest of the conference that, hey, we are not, we're not the stepping stone anymore. And, and you know, they're, they're going to have a good year this year. They're, I, I, they're gonna, going to get bowl eligible. Uh, they could end up doing some really exciting things in the back half of the season. But one year doesn't, doesn't do it. Next year could be the year that says, hey, we're serious. And they move forward. So uh, I think the way the schedule builds up is great. I think they're likely to maybe lose, I'd say, at Mississippi State and at Georgia are going to be really tough road games to win. At South Carolina would be tough too. But even if you're able if you're able to take care of business at home, Kentucky's going to have a very good a very good record next year, assuming they win at Vanderbilt, because I think that's a safe assumption. And then that Georgia, and then that Auburn game, excuse me. That Auburn game on a Thursday is going to be wild. Every year I was a student at UK, I hoped for a Thursday night UK game. Hoped, wished, wanted there to be one. Never was. They get one a few years after I graduate. That's okay, though. It's going to be a, uh, a really, really crazy atmosphere, I'm sure. Yates, anything jump out at you at, the, at that schedule? Um, no, nothing, nothing special. I mean, I guess Thursday night games are fun as somebody who has experienced them before, uh, especially big games. like The students will definitely enjoy that, that Thursday night. Now, I, I grew up with Thursday and Friday, maybe even a random Wednesday night game with Louisville. I grew up going to those games because, again, my parents have season tickets. And those atmospheres... Uh, people can make fun of those games, and, and I know UK fans have given Louisville fans a hard time for playing every night of the week. And when you're playing some, when you're playing Southern Miss on a Wednesday, then you know that is just that that's not great. But for as much fun as you want to poke at it, atmospheres for night games, regardless of what days they are, are better than atmospheres for day games. They are, and. It doesn't matter what night that is. It's a good atmosphere. Maybe it's a good atmosphere because you get more time to drink during the day. I mean, that's probably exactly why it is. You get a drunker crowd, a more amped up crowd. Uh, so a lot of the local games I've been to that if have, have been on Thursdays or Friday nights, those have been some really good, good atmospheres to be a part of. Uh, and there's no doubt that that Kentucky-Auburn game will be will be crazy. Uh, obviously, we have to wait over a year for it. Exactly. Oh, this is weird. Exactly a year to the day, Yates. How about that? How crazy. Next. <laughs> unbelievable. You sound so excited. Uh, a year to the day is that Auburn-Kentucky Thursday night game. But I, I imagine over the next 12 months and 365 days, the sports stalker will have Plenty of time to talk about that game and the 2015 schedule, but it came out yesterday, and there's a lot to be excited about. Mark Stoops talked about being, uh, it was an honor to the program to be able to have that Thursday night game, and uh, I, I do think going 9-3 and three next year isn't completely out of the realm of possibility. 
Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yates, other other uh, than that schedule, how are you doing? Well, TJ. Oh, doing well. Uh, it is Wednesday, so we're gonna we're gonna get to ask you some questions later on. You excited about that? I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, some people have said that it's their favorite segment of the sports soccer, and uh, it kind of seems like an insult to me. But you know what? It's such a good segment. I understand it. I like it. It's fun. Good stuff. So we'll have to wait and see what we get in. Uh, another little football tidbit that doesn't have to do with this year, that doesn't have to do with LSU, Kentucky football training facility. The pictures are out. You can go to catsillustrated.com and see all 14 pictures of the new football training facility, which is going to be just by Commonwealth Stadium. You can see the pictures. It looks good. Uh, it looks nice. There are going to be practice fields over there. Uh, it looks like it's, a, I think it's a $45 million project. And, you know, it's all the things you'd want to see in a, in a football training facility. It's You've seen some of these. I think Oregon just got one. Uh, I think Alabama's is relatively new. Kentucky's isn't as nice as those. It's not. Uh, but it is super nice. And it's it's not a big step down from those places. Now, you won't be able to recruit and say, well, you come here and you're going to have a better football training facility than those places. Uh, but recruits going to one versus going to the other, and we're talking about the best two in the in the country, it's not going to be a huge step down. It's That's not going to be the, the thing that's going to keep recruits from coming to Kentucky. Although having a, a, a very outdated and kind of run-down football training facility would be the things to keep recruits out. That could be the deciding factor. If you wanted to go to a place like Mississippi State or Kentucky, well, I'm pretty even on both of them, neither super close traveling-wise. Both kind of offered the same pitch playing time-wise. Uh, but, you know, I, I, and I don't know much about Mississippi State's football training facility, but for argument's sake, let's say that it was nice and the recruits said, you know what, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather get better on those fields and those weight rooms than Kentucky's outdated ones. So this is a, a big step for Kentucky. Again, it's not going to be the nicest one in the world. It's not going to be like the Joe Craft Center. It's not going to be like the, the new Wildcat Coal Lodge dorm rooms for UK basketball. But this is competitive, and this is nice. And people are going to notice. And with that being said, uh, we recorded Cats Illustrated podcast today, and uh, Alex Forkner, the new guy, was talking about how maybe this, and with the renovations of Commonwealth Stadium, maybe this is going to help Mark Stoops want to stay at Kentucky. Maybe this will be enough to get him uh, to know that Kentucky's committed to the football program, and, and he'll bypass some other job offers. To me, this is quite the contrary. This football training facility and the updated Commonwealth Stadium, those things are they might they might help Mark Soup stay. It might be uh it might push him in the right direction. But ultimately if he's got a dream job of going to a place like Michigan or Florida, for example, I mean, if there's a job out there that he wants, that he thinks he can really, really win at, that's one of the top, you know, 
10 football programs in the country. He's going to, you can't blame him for leaving Kentucky for that. A football training facility is not going to keep him. A, a, a renovated Commonwealth Stadium is not going to keep him. You know, it's like when John Calipari left Memphis to come to Kentucky. Memphis was great. They went, they went to a national championship game. They should have won a national championship game. But at the end of the day, Memphis isn't Kentucky in basketball. Just not. So Kentucky, while doing these nice upgrades, it's not going to keep Mark Stoops if he has an itch to go win big elsewhere. And he might be. He might think, hey, I'm loyal here. They gave him the first job. I'm happy. I'm content in Kentucky. I bought myself a lot of job security. I can win here. Maybe not national championship win, but I can compete. I'm content. Maybe that happens. Who knows? Let's let the winning keep continuing and then worry about it. But I think these facilities, this is going to give the program success after Mark Stoops. Having this and showing this commitment and, sh- and, and putting this much more money towards facilities, this is going to help bring other coaches to Kentucky. It's going to help other coaches stay and be comfortable in Kentucky. It's going to help other coaches, not just the next coach after Stoops, but the coach after that. It's going to help these future coaches recruit to Kentucky. That's why this is important. This is bigger than coaching. This is a commitment to the program. And now Kentucky's got it. They don't have to promise the next coach like they promised Mark Stoops that, hey, we're going to invest into football. The promise will become a reality. Mitch Barnhart will be able to say, look, we've got this done. We're moving in the right direction. This is just a start. We're going to keep building off this, but now you've got proof that these promises hold some weight because we renovated our football stadium. We built this football training facility. You come coach for Kentucky, it's just the beginning. That's why this is important, not to keep Mark Soups. And it might help, but it's more important for the future UK football coaching aside. Anyways, that, a lot of football future talk. We'll bring it back to the present after these commercial breaks here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Kind of a cloudy, overcast days. Day Yates, this isn't one of your questions, but did you watch the first episode of American Horror Story last week? I did not. I I thought we were going to get you to do it. Uh, well, you attempted to tell me I should watch it, but I have zero interest. What about the wife? Did she watch it? She did not, no. Well, it was pretty good. I think you're missing out. It was a nice little hour and 20-minute episode. Uh, one of, uh, you know, I I love horror movies, and 
it, it's been too long that I've watched one and actually been scared during or after. It's been a while. But it was entertaining from a from a scary standpoint. There was a lot going on. And I felt that that hasn't necessarily been the way on American Horror Story for quite some time. Uh, but it was it was good. It was fun. So another episode tonight I look forward to. Seems like Wednesdays and Sundays are the big TV nights. Wish there was more in between. Mainly Monday and Tuesday. Thursday, at least we have football. Uh, speaking of football, Yates, we had a fantasy football trade in my league. I'm sitting at two and four. Uh, me trading Marshawn Lynch at the beginning of the year was a huge mistake. Uh, I ended up having two running backs on the Lions, Reggie Bush, Joy Bell. I thought that the Lions offense would be slinging the ball around, scoring points left and right. It wasn't the case. So my team had had a rough year. Great week last week. Should have won points at the last minute. I sat Eli Manning for, or I sat Colin Kaepernick for Eli Manning for whatever reason. Would have won points if I didn't do that. Uh, Still a great week, though. All right, so this trade I did, Yates. I received Percy Harvin, who's had a rough year, but has had 26 targets. And missed a few games, or not been out a few times. You'd like to see maybe a few more targets than that, but and so I got Percy Harvin. I got Matt Asiata, which is fun to say from the Vikings, and Matthew Stafford, and I traded. I got all three of those guys for Reggie Bush. Thoughts. Uh, I mean, I don't love any of those guys, other than maybe Matthew Stafford, but considering that you only gave up Reggie Bush, I think he probably came out ahead there. Yeah, Reggie Bush hadn't done much this year, and he's coming off it. He still has a, a lingering ankle injury, should be fine moving forward. But I did have Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with Joyke. He looked really good this past week. Worst case scenario, he can get some touchdown passes or touchdown runs on the goal line, goal line carries. Uh, so that's what I decided to go with. Asiata seems like he's on the way out. They're, they're giving McKinnon more carries. That's okay. Maybe something happens there. Maybe something changes. And I don't really need Stafford. I've got Kaepernick, who I'm happy with. But maybe now I, I play Stafford. Uh, I, I'm going to be probably making wrong decisions with which quarterback to start from here on out. But... Uh, which, while we're on the subject, I've got Kaepernick at Denver in the primetime game on Sunday night, and then Matt Stafford is at home versus a really bad New Orleans defense. That could be a really high-scoring game. If it wasn't for, if you just looked at those two matchups without knowing the the TV slots or the game times, I think Matt Stafford would be the easy choice, but. Kaepernick does relatively well in prime time. Who would you go with there, Yates? Um, that's a tough one. I probably would be inclined to go Kaepernick just because it, 
because of the issues with Calvin Johnson, if Johnson were healthy, I probably would go with Stafford. That's that's another good point with Calvin being out. Just I I feel like, and I I don't know why at the last minute I benched Eli Manning last, or I benched Colin Kaepernick for Eli Manning last week. I was thinking that hey, I've already got my game one. I can win points. I might as well risk it. I felt that Eli Manning was had a higher ceiling, but also could have that really bad game. I thought Kaepernick was the safe choice, but I wanted to go for big points. Uh, and it was a primetime game. Kaepernick was also in a primetime game, so I went with Manning, and it completely backfired. He, I was correct that he could also have a, a really bad game, and that's unfortunately what ended up happening. Uh, Kaepernick did not have a safe 17-point game. He ended up scoring 32 a uh, big mistake on my part. I, I feel that Stafford is going to be good for around 16, 17 points. They're going to throw the ball. No Calvin Johnson, but they do have Golden Tate, some other good receivers. Kaepernick on Sunday night football. He's no longer the safe choice. Either he could have a really good game, maybe get a lot of rushing yards, or... Could just be a Denver blowout and he can be in trouble. But maybe it'll be high scoring there. So I think I'm leaning towards going Kaepernick. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, the trade, not a huge trade either way. Some scrubs for some scrubs. But I'm really high on Percy Harvin. I think he's great. Hasn't really been great this year. But hopefully that'll change the rest of the way. Uh, so having person Har- Percy Harvin's had to push me to put Roddy White on my bench. Haven't been super impressed with Roddy. But... It is what it is. Uh, Kentucky LSU on Saturday, primetime game. LSU, unbelievable record at night. I think 40 and 3 under Les Miles. Have a crazy record all time uh, with, n- with noon games. Actually, has uh, the Tigers have a losing record at noon at home. But when you go to night games, uh, they're almost unbeatable. And there are three losses under Les Miles. Two of those teams were number one when LSU lost. The third team was Mississippi State this year. They're now number one. So any team that has beaten LSU at night in Death Valley under Les Miles, has at some point of the year been number one. So can Kentucky win? I think on paper and what the both teams have done this year, I don't think it's crazy to think that UK could win. Now that being said, only three teams have beaten Les Miles in Baton Rouge, and all three of those teams have been number one. So obviously, the clear explanation is Kentucky's going to beat LSU, and Kentucky's going to end up being number one at some point this year. Obviously. What else could it be? Uh, but it's it's without a doubt going to be a really tough game for UK. And what I need to what I try to remind UK fans is, is when you looked at this game from the beginning of the season you thought for sure this was a loss. No way Kentucky would be able to win in Baton Rouge. So 
if Kentucky does go to LSU and lose, let it be a testament to how how good the season has been that your expectations could get so high. And I'm not saying just, you know, live with a loss and be happy with it. We need to see what happens on Saturday, the scenarios, the situations where Kentucky finds themselves. Uh, but I don't think a loss should should get UK fans down. You've got a big game against Mississippi State the following week. Still a ton to play for. Uh, but that being said, I, I don't think it's you can just throw this game away. LSU defense is allowing five and a half yards per play. That's in the that's 65th in the nation. LSU does not throw the ball deep. This is a, a that's good news for Kentucky. I, I think if Kentucky can stop the run somehow, and that's much easier said than done, if they're able to stop the run, uh, it's going to make life very difficult for LSU because they're not a team that's going to take a lot of shots down the field. But here's an interesting stat. And also, here's another thing. Kentucky hasn't been unbelievable at stopping teams on third down. Just 36% of the time. 36% of the time, the opponents are converting on third down. But LSU as an offense, is converting on third down just 31% of the time. And that is 111th in the country. So I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. So Kentucky, a team that's not great at stopping teams on third down versus LSU, a team that is not great at converting on third downs. Something's got to give there, and it would go a long way in Kentucky's upset bid if Kentucky can win on third downs defensively and obviously offensively, but especially defensively, get LSU's offense off the field as soon as possible. Let the defense rest up. That was one of my big keys to the game in today's Cats Illustrated preview podcast is uh, Kentucky doesn't, you know, they're going to make mistakes and, and this and that. And it's so easy to pick of pick what exactly they need to do to win. But one small, one relatively small thing, in my opinion, is just to move the chains against LSU. Don't go three and out. Once, if you can, and that's not, I don't think that's asking too much. Get first downs, move the chains. Kentucky has to let their defense rest. It's going to be a lot of stopping the run. LSU is going to try to use go sideline to sideline, stretch out UK's defense while also attacking the middle. The defense is going to have to be as well-rested as they've been this season. If it's anything like South Carolina, then that's not going to – that Kentucky's going to lose. If, they, if, the, if, if, can, if Kentucky's defense is on the field as much as they were against South Carolina, they're going to lose. So I think that's a big key to the game. And a relatively easy key for Kentucky to be able to handle. That might mean running it on first downs more than Kentucky normally does. Run it on first downs. Get four or five yards. 
Hell, run it on second down. See if you can get a third and one. See if you can get a third and two. Then run it again. If you if one of those two plays you don't get any yards, then then you throw it a little bit. LSU also giving up more big plays than nearly any team in the country. Uh, so the ability to get the ball in the wide receiver's hand short, have them miss tackles, it's out there. LSU has a very big secondary, so I don't know how I'd feel. You know, against Florida, Kentucky, a couple of their long passes, it was jump balls that Kentucky maybe got a little bit fortunate on. I don't expect that to happen against LSU. So keep it short, keep it simple, and let your playmakers make plays. Let Javis Blue, Ryan Timmons, let them break tackles and get it out on the open field and see what happens. We've got two more days to preview this game, so we'll talk more about that later in the show. Uh, there's some SEC basketball news going on, a lot of media days across the country, uh, across the SEC, rather. Kentucky's is tomorrow. So you'll get more basketball news from Kentucky on that side of things starting tomorrow. Uh, Big Blue Madness Friday, of course. Uh, but some interesting stuff coming out of SEC basketball media days today, whether it's Florida, South Carolina, some other places. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be uh, back after these messages. We also have a few questions to ask Yates. So if you want to get those in on Twitter, be sure to do so now. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back one final segment on a gloomy, muggy Wednesday. A couple quick notes to get to. Uh, one, J.D. Harmon will be suspended for the first half of LSU. That's a not a huge loss, but also not an insignificant loss. Uh, he was suspended for a hit that he made against Louisiana Monroe. A big hit, a stupid hit. Uh, Mark Soups talked about it on Monday that a player might be, might be suspended and it was J.D. Harmon. Uh, so he'll be out. Again, not uh, a huge surprise. Uh, so media days in the SEC happening right now and happening throughout the country, not only the SEC. Kentucky will go tomorrow. Kentucky's media day is always a zoo. Uh, there'll be probably over 100 people there. I don't really – I'll be there, and I, I get why it's important. But, again, we know a lot about these players already. I'm not saying don't read the stories I write for me today. They're going to be awesome. They're going to be fantastic. Uh, but, you know, we had the Bahamas trip. Big Blue Madness on Friday. You don't get the players after that. Or, or Calipari. Uh, seems like there's a realistic chance Drake could actually be performing. Could be cool for fans that go to Big Blue Madness. We'll have to see. Uh, but anyways, Chris Walker suspended for Florida for three games. Not surprising. And, you know, now that Chris Walker's not just a freshman, he's he's a college kid. He's 
probably close to 20 years old. Just there's a reason why John Calipari and UK never offered him. And I think Chris Walker's really good. I think he, what he does would have been perfect in John Calipari's system. He just dunks a lot. He's really good at catching alley-oops and running the floor and knowing where he needs to be. And he didn't play a lot for Florida last year because he was behind Patrick Young and uh, they had a they had a pretty good front court. He didn't get a ton of minutes and he was suspended for the first half of the season. He's really, really talented. He was a five-star, number six in his class. But there's a reason why John Calipari never offered him when he was basically begging for a scholarship offer. Kid's just a... He's got a lot of growing up to do. And he had a lot of growing up to do when he was a recruit. And... One time I was interviewing him at a tournament, and he said if Kentucky doesn't offer, he's going to cut them. And he's going to cut them quick, and he wanted me to write that they they should offer before it's too late. Basically giving John Calipari and the University of Kentucky an ultimatum. It's not a good way to go about things. He one time called me to tell me that he was committing to Kentucky, only to call back and say that he was kidding and to not report it five minutes later. Luckily, I didn't because he didn't have an offer for Kentucky. And you hope that a kid like that would grow up. And uh, with Billy Donovan, who's a great coach, and I've had a chance to meet and interview. You'd hope a coach like that that's been around for such a long time would be able to straighten him out. And and maybe that process is still going on. Not surprised that he got suspended three games. Three games. Hope he figures it out. Really, really talented player. Uh, I, I, I think his skill set has a long way to go as a player. But really talented, really athletic. Can be an impact player. But has to get it all figured out. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Frank Martin of South Carolina talked about how he hates the annual media drubbing of the SEC, talking about how bad the conference is. Well, you know, you know what other, you know, people are going to say to that, Frank. The conference is bad, and they're going to make fun of you for getting upset about it. John Calipari is going to talk about how good the conference is tomorrow. The SEC from top to bottom is not not good. Let's make no mistake about it. But let's also not forget that the SEC had two teams in the Final Four last year. And let's also realize that Kentucky and Florida are going to be really good this year, too. There just needs to be a little bit more depth. And, and I think where I think Bruce Pearl at Auburn will get there. I think Frank Martin at South Carolina will eventually maybe get on the brink of being a tournament team consistently. Uh, Tennessee last year was really good, was relatively good. Uh, unfortunately, I think kind of running Quanzo Martin out of town was a not the not the best decision. Just need to have a third or fourth or fifth team that's going to make the tournament and be competitive. Your whole conference doesn't have to be great cuz no conference is from top to bottom. Just have to get a little more consistency. We'll talk more about the SEC tomorrow.
All right, Yates, you ready for some questions? I'm ready. All right, we got a couple good ones in. I, I, it might end up being four instead of three. We'll see how much time we have. This one comes from Clay B116. What's your favorite meal at Cheddar's? My favorite meal at Cheddar's? Yep, that's it. <laughs> I don't think I eat at Cheddar's enough to have a favorite meal. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. I don't oh. eat at Cheddar's very often. Well, their chicken fingers are great. Just fantastic. But you can't go wrong with that. I, I'm I'm uh I'm partial to chicken fingers, so on your on your uh suggestion I'll I'll go with chicken fingers. All right. That's uh, everything they have there is great, but that's good. All right, this one comes from Brun DMC. If you could live in another large metropolitan, one million plus people, where would it be and why? Rob uh Previously, I would have probably gone with Chicago. I've been there a couple times, and I loved it. Uh, but I, I, back over the summer, I took a trip out to Denver. Denver was really awesome. So I, I might be inclined to go with Denver at this point. Does that have anything to do with the new legal plant out in Denver? <laughs> no, actually it doesn't. I didn't, I didn't even really think about that when I gave that answer. Uh, I just... I, I went hiking up in the Rockies, and it was just gorgeous up there. I went to a concert at Red Rocks. So having having that stuff in your backyard would probably win me over. I had a, my brothers and sisters and a bunch of their friends went on a big Colorado vacation in February, and a lot of them said it was one of the better vacations they had been on. And that did partially have to do with the legalization of a new plant out there. Uh, I We used to go out to Denver every year and ended up driving from Denver to Keystone uh, growing up, and I love Denver. You can't go, you can't go wrong uh, living out there. My answers for that, not that it's Ask TJ, but it is my radio show, so I can hijack any question I want. Probably be Boston, San Francisco, one of those two. Probably lean towards Boston. I like the Eastern time zone better. All right, and then the last, uh, well, not the last question. Another question is, and this is a good one. This comes from my girlfriend, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how biased do you think TJ is on the radio? This is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one. Um, I'll, I'll go with a seven. You th- seven. With with ten being a huge homer. Yes. A <laughs> seven. A seven. Yes. That's ridiculous. Are you, you think you're lower than that? I'm absolutely lower than that. I mean, I think you're you're. Generally pretty reasonable, but uh, here here and there, and I can't give you any specifics at this point, but here and there there have been some some comments you've made where I sort of question your, well, your unbiased next time I make, opinion. Make ta- next time I make one of those comments, you got to call me out on it on the spot, and we can have a little discussion about it. I don't even think in terms of if 10 is being a big UK fan – and five is being a casual fan. I don't even. I don't know where I fall on that scale. Uh, being in the media ha- really, really takes a punch at your fandom. Uh, it's just again, you you're, you cover the team. It, it's like being a, a lover of all meats, and then getting to see how your meats are prepared and processed. It's just. It's not always pretty from when you're when you're looking from the inside. Uh, I. That that hurts, Yates. That hurts. Last one comes from Rob Blackhawk. 
He wants to know if you would trade Lance Stevenson for Jared Solinger in a fantasy league. <laughs> um, I'd played fantasy basketball one year, and I was pretty awful at it. I will say that is he. I would take Lance Stevenson, whatever side of the trade he's on. It, I would probably take Lance Stevenson over Jared Solinger. I feel like I'd take Jared. I'd take Jared Solinger, Rob Blackhawk. Don't listen to Yates. Uh, he's biased and a jerk, and Jared Solinger starting to hit threes. Uh, it could be a big weapon for Boston this year. So we're going to uh, Brun DMC says that the Johnny Manziel story is what you're referring to, Yates, when talking about me being biased. Um, we'll see. We can talk more about that tomorrow, though. It's, we're out of time. Uh, another great Ask Yates Wednesday, another great show all around. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at 3 tomorrow. In the city of lights still glow To my old Kentucky home My old Kentucky home oh, They say welcome to the 502 Take the Jordan boy, show him how Kentucky do Open